You're listening to Bethany Radio. More content is available on iTunes or online at BethanyBibleLeroy.com. Well, good morning. You can turn your scriptures to Romans chapter 5 once again as we come to our text. And a few words before we get to our text in terms of just explaining your your bulletin a little bit. I just need to note this because there is, believe it or not, there is a little bit of thought that goes into these sermon titles and where we're going from. And so I want to just back up a little bit as you're getting to Romans 5. Just remember this overarching theme. It's on your bulletin most every week, this overarching theme of Romans and that of the the obedience of faith. You see that on the cover every week, and it's good to come back. What are we talking about here? Because this phrase, when we started this study, we looked at it, and I just could not get away from it. It's in the first chapter, and it's in the 16th chapter. And we might say this obedience of faith. I thought we were saved by grace. We are. What is this about? And so this obedient faith is faith being in faith that trusts in, not in our works to save, but looks to Christ alone. That's, that's this obedience. Faith is all over this book, and we've just been in, in chapter 4 before 5 and saw the faith of Abraham, and we're into, to walk in the same footsteps of that faith. So Christ is our righteousness. But obedient faith, that is true faith, is going to be evident by a growing distaste for sin in our daily lives and a growing love for Christ in our lives, and all of this coming through God's Spirit at work in our lives. So within within that large framework, this obedience of faith, looking to Christ, living for Him, then we come, we're in chapter 5, and and through chapter 5, there seems to resound this, this phrase and this thought of abounding grace. And that's why in your sermon titles, you've got abounding grace, and then a colon, and then the, the message title for this particular week. So all through chapter 5, is this abounding grace. We saw it in verse 2. It's a grace in which we now stand. And then there's a grace, though not mentioned per se, per name, there's a grace that loves us when? It loves us while we were yet sinners and while we were enemies of God's, verses 8 and 10. Mira, we've got a picture from last week. Thank you, Mira, for giving this to me. There you are. Yeah. So not a picture per se, but a word art, I would call it, and it's wonderful, and I really appreciate this. Here's Here's a summary, if we could sum it up. Here's what we've been learning. There's peace with God in Christ. There's access into grace. There's rejoicing in hope of the glory of God. We are reconciled while enemies. We are saved from wrath. And we are receiving, we're going to look at even even here today, the, the gift of life. And how is it? So critical by Jesus Christ our Lord. There is no other Savior This is not us just thinking up good thoughts and I wish for peace and so I get peace. It is in Christ alone. So thank you for that, Mira. And so we're in this last section, verses 12 through 21, if you're in Romans 5. And there's a grace that is in contrast to the death sentence that we all receive in Adam. So all those who are in Adam, we looked at, all, which is all mankind, all are born in sin and thus are guilty before God. Not only are we guilty, we act out in sin. We are polluted. We sin because we are sinners. Like the dog barks because it's a dog, we sin because that is our nature. That is just how we are born. But the glimmer of hope that we left off last week was verse 14, this Adam as the type of one who was to come. And so today we're going to relish in this one who was to come and the benefits of that one. So let's get to God's word then. 
Hopefully you are there in Romans 5. I'm going to start again in 12, and I'm going to read to the end. And our section, just if you need to zero in on one place, is, is going to be in the middle, verses 15 through 17. But let's start in 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet, yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's pray once again. Father, we just pray because we need you. We pray because we need your spirit to understand the things of you. And we pray, Lord, because as been mentioned, our hearts are fleeting and frail and with so much error and even self-deceiving that, Lord, we need your help to understand your truth. Lord, the bad truth about us and our sin and the glorious truth of your grace Help us to understand both today. And I pray this in the name of our great Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, if you caught it as we looked through verses 15 through 17, Paul is setting up a contrast. Even in the first section of verse 15, just the first phrase, but the free gift is not like the trespass. There's a contrast here. Contrasts are just, they're just part of our everyday life. And contrasts, I think, they give us the ability to understand truths much more clearly. For instance, contrast. There is generally cheese. You could say there's general cheese. And then there's Wisconsin cheese. That's my home state. There's a difference. And you all... You all agree with that. Even though we're in Minnesota, Wisconsin cheese, is, that Colby is just, it's just better. That, that, you see the contrast when we go, there's generic, there's off-the-shelf cheese, maybe it's squishy, this is cold, okay? So maybe there's other things. We won't spend the sermon on Colby cheese. Maybe there's trucks for you. 
And there's generic trucks, and some of you just go, I don't know, a truck, it carries and hauls things. And there's some that say, a Chevy truck or a Ford truck or fill in the blank, this thing is so much better than that thing. It's comparison. It's contrast. All these sorts of things, maybe generic brands versus the name brand. You buy this name brand thing because you know it tastes better than that generic thing. And so comparisons are they're really all around us. I think around us every day of our lives. Paul is using that here to compare and contrast things of eternal weight and significance. This is the best sort of comparison. It's not a comparison of shoes or which restaurant has the better pizza. These are contrasts of life itself. In fact, a contrast of death and life. And we want to grab hold of this contrast between what we inherit from Adam, which is our sin, death, judgment, condemnation, and then what we have in Christ. Now, to do that, if it's helpful, on your notes, if you've got a blank page before you, you might want to just make two columns. You can make two columns if you want to do this, if you follow along with notes. One column you might label Adam's trespass, or trespasses, trespass, we'll make it singular. Adam's trespass, we'll fill that in in the verses as we go. The other column you might label Christ's free gift. There's Adam's trespass, we'll fill that in. Christ's free gift, fill that in. Again, using these just to compare, contrast, and show us this abounding grace. So let's come back to verse 15 again. I read the first part of it. Let me read it again and stop halfway through for our first contrast. So, but the free gift is not like the trespass. And now here's the first one. For if many died through one man's trespass, we'll stop there. If many died through one man's trespass. Again, if you're under that column, Adam's trespass, many died. Many died. And they died through one man's trespass. We looked at this last week. Adam's sin brought death to all mankind. Death spread, and so sin spread. Interesting here, Paul uses the word trespass which is really one of several words here that Paul will, I think, just, I think he's using them interchangeably back and forth. Verse 12, it was called sin, which sin is sin. And then verse 14, called transgression. Here we've got it called trespass. Again, this gift of language that God has given us allows these uses of words to not just, Paul could just say sin and sin and sin and sin. That would work. It would be true. But language like poetry, like Rhymes like lyrics of a song move. And so Paul uses God-given language. For all you into English or, or those that have to start school and you to study language, this is a good thing to study words and how to use them. They convey ideas. Well, back to our text, though, because the text says many died through one man's trespass. And again, we're asking, how can many die who at the time of the trespass, really, I don't think it had even been born. Many died through one man's trespass. Paul can just say this. They died. One man trespass, many died. And here we're back again to that idea of original guilt. All born in Adam are all born in sin. Again, death spreads from that. Death sprang to life, we could say, in the one trespass of Adam. One sin, and so death comes. Doug Moo comments this way. He says, Paul in this passage always presents the effects of Adam's act as a completed fact. You know, what Adam did, that's a fact. 
And then he says, according to the tense of the verb here, this, this many died through the one man's trespass, suggests that the sentence of death imposed on all people took place immediately in conjunction with the trespass of Adam. That idea of the original guilt, our sin in Adam. And so under his trespass, the many die. Now the contrast found in the words, the second part of verse 15, for if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. We are in the land again of the much more. These are good words. Or there's the the abounding, the free gift of grace, abounded for many. This is amplified grace. So you've got the many died, and then you've got this grace, and it's, it's amplified. Just like my voice right now, I could cover up the mic, and you would hear some of it, but we're using amplifiers and speakers, and it allows you to listen a little easier in here, but it but it just sends what's a little voice out. It's kind of like on your, you use an Android or an iPhone and you just listen to an iPhone speaker. They're terrible. They're just, they're, they grade at me. They're just like, okay, it, it'll work for now. But once you get it plugged into a good speaker, it's, it's amplified even further and it sounds better. This is grace amplified, grace abounding. And so if you're many died under Adam's trespass, under Christ's free gift, there is abounding grace. It's a grace, I think we could say, found all the way from eternity in the eternal plans of God, but we see it laid out even in the first chapters of Genesis. We won't go there, but just I'm just going to do a short history up to the church, short Bible history of, on grace. We find grace in the garden when Adam and Eve sinned. Even when they sinned, they did not physically die right away. They continued to live and then physically die. God even comes and does what with Adam and Eve? He speaks to them. Where are you? What's going on? There's a promise in Genesis 3, that seed of the woman who would bruise or crush the head of that serpent who had deceived them. There's hope even in the the third chapter of Genesis. And then even at the end of that chapter, and you can read about this, those, the Adam and Eve who were, Ashamed in their nakedness, God clothed them. And he clothed them with the skins of an animal. So I think there's even the idea of sacrifice already in the first chapter. It's not that God, there was Genesis 3 and then by Numbers or Deuteronomy, God had cooled down enough to show grace. It was abounding in the same chapter of their sin. And was not God continually gracious amongst his own people. Think of the Israelites, how he often over and over had compassion and grace on them. There was judgment and there was grace. Jesus himself was gracious to many, gracious to his disciples. Remember, the disciples all abandoned him on the night of his betrayal. He was gracious to them, calling them back, meeting them, saying, go, make disciples, enlisting them. Not saying, well, I'm done with you. He was gracious to them. And Jesus is gracious. God is gracious to his own church. John 1, 16-17 says this, For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth 
came through Jesus Christ. That's the key. Amplified grace comes through Christ. But can we define grace here? I'm always, it's, maybe not always, but it's good to think, can we define what is grace to define it? Some good definitions. You might think of grace as being unmerited favor, so unearned favor. Uh, maybe a receiving of what we don't deserve. So we deserve condemnation. God is merciful. He doesn't give us what we deserve. And then above that, He gives us what we don't deserve. That's grace. But even in this text, if we could define it, even from the three verses we have before us here, by that uh, comes by way of contrast here. So we deserve death. The many died. But instead, so there's the contrast, and the contrast helps us define grace. We deserve this death. The many died. But we've got a God's abounding grace, and you see it there. And, and if you're ESV, I think others would have free gift, I believe. I'm not sure. You've got free gift just listed all over the place. The free gift that comes through Christ. And I think it's this note of free gift that defines grace. Back in chapter 3, verse 24, God says in His Word that this grace is a, it's a gift. So it's unearned by us. It's a free gift. And then as we just looked at in the beginning of chapter 5, this gift is even more than unearned. It's that we in our sin, we earn this title, enemy of God. That's what we are without Christ, an enemy. And while a sinner and while an enemy, Christ died for us. And so through him we're reconciled. This is grace. Unmerited favor. Getting what we don't deserve. God does not owe us his love and his grace. It's a gift. A gift to us who deserve what? As we've been studying, we deserve God's judgment forever. His wrath forever. God is right to inflict that. When we get that wrong and we think, well, God is not, isn't he loving God and justice? And we get that all wrong till we understand he is just in his judgment on, on ones, all of us who have sinned against him. But there is that wonderful cross where Jesus died. And he died not for those who were neutral to him, just kind of, well, I don't know. Either way, I'm kind of not in sin, but I'm kind of not for God. He died for, the text tells us, sinners, enemies. That's abounding grace, and that is a grace. Do you have that kind of grace towards your enemy? Just think, I mean, maybe it's not hard for you to think, who's your enemy today? Maybe Things come to mind maybe pretty soon. I don't want you to get off track, but enemies come up. You got that kind of grace, this abounding grace, even toward an enemy? That's God's grace in contrast. All right, verse 16. Verse 16 is interesting. I think it's a comparison. It's, it's a bit like a mathematical equation here. So let's, let's look at it. Verse 16. I'll read the whole verse. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. Okay. So the ESV has a difference here as a result. The free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. We're going to look at this with some pictures because it it helps. So we've got one picture. There's two. We'll stay on this one. They're they're not very flashy, are they? They're they're words. It's less picture but more 
equation. I don't know all the school talk. Maybe that's why we're in math. So um, let's try to break down the first part of verse 16. Hopefully you can see this here in your text. So the judgment followed one trespass. If you can follow the logic here. Judgment followed one trespass. So this one trespass precedes judgment, which brought about the result of condemnation. So one sin led to all this. And and again, this helps us see the effects of Adam's sin on, on all of mankind. One trespass. So you can see it there. One trespass leads to judgment, leads to condemnation. All right, we can go to the next slide here. That's all I got. Sorry, it's not very flashy. But what about those who had many trespasses? I think we might expect, well, many trespasses, to do the math, equals much judgment and much condemnation. But this is not in God's abounding grace equation here. You can see it already up there. The free gift followed many trespasses and resulted in justification, not condemnation. Now, somehow on your chart and how you've got this, you can write this all in of how these compare, but one trespass, judgment, condemnation, many trespasses, free gift, justification. Romans 8.1 would say it this way. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. One commentator has says this, that one single misdeed should be answered by judgment. This is perfectly understandable. That the accumulated sins and guilt of all the ages should be answered by God's free gift. This is the miracle of miracles. Utterly beyond human comprehension. We are not only guilty in Adam, but we own ourselves a multitude of trespasses. God's mercy is new every morning. And our multitude of trespasses and sin is new seemingly every morning. Perhaps one reason we're hesitant even to look in God's Word at times is that we find this mirror to our lives, and we find as we read God's Word, we go, my trespasses are just before me. My sins are before me. You remember that song, our sins, they are many, many trespasses, but what? His mercy is more, much more, aboundingly more. Dear one in Christ, we can read the Bible, we can read this because we can read it, having been forgiven, our many trespasses Not because we just did better that day. We finally learned or we finally got disciplined enough because of Jesus. And if it seems like a, boy, that we sure, he's sure repeating that a lot because that's, he's the glorious one. That's the theme of it all. He is Christ and he's who we need. One trespass, judgment, condemnation, many trespasses, free gifts, justification. Lastly, verse 17. Thank you, Caleb, for putting those up. First part of 17. For if, contrast again, for if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man. 
I think we saw death reigning, yeah, last week, verse 14. There's a type, in this word reign, there's a type of kingdom language here. The Greek is actually has, a, has the word that you get kind of kingdoms, kings from. There's this reign or kingdom of death. So you could say if you're working on your column, your last under Adam, Adam's trespass, death reigns. Death reigns. Martin Lloyd-Jones has commented this way, very brief comment. He says, the world is a place of cemeteries. The world is a place of cemeteries. I want to read to you something that John MacArthur has written. Death not only reigns physically, it reigns spiritually. John MacArthur's written this, and he's written this to kids. I found this in kind of a, a kid's book. And I want to read it to you to help us understand just what what is this reign of death? What does it look like? He says, when God created the world, everything was perfect and good. There was no sin, none at all. But once sin came into the world, verse 12, we're going okay. Once sin came into the world, nothing was perfect anymore. Everything that is wrong with the world is because of sin. Sickness. Suffering, pain, sorrow, weakness, earthquakes, floods, fighting and wars, divorce, drugs and crime, fear and hate and murder and death and all other sad and bad things are everywhere in our world because of sin. Sin is the most terrible thing in our lives. It ruined the whole universe And it will ruin all of us unless we are forgiven. Death reigns. No matter where we look, we see its effects, relationships, health, work. Even the good things like eating or resting or play, they're tainted by both this physical and spiritual death. But this is not the last word. We left off at a comma, so let's go on from the comma. Much more. Death reigned through that one man, comma, much more. Will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Much more again. Yes, death reigned. It's got a sway on this entire world, but in Christ now, life is also reigning. So Adam's trespass, Death reigns, Christ's free gift, life is reigning. And it reigns for who? For those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness. And there's a qualifier here of Paul. I think it's an important one. It doesn't necessarily have to be here. We could make this statement from other places. But yes, grace is abundant. It is free, but it is for those who receive it. Paul's not teaching a universalist salvation. All die in Adam, and so all because of Christ, all will be, all are the children of God. No, it it can seem that way. Many died, many will live. But verse 17 is helpful to us. It's for those who receive the gift. And we're quick to say, is receiving a work? No. No, by no means, Paul would say. Paul's already pointed that out. It's by faith. But there is what? There's the gracious call of God to make alive what was spiritually dead. Listen to Colossians 2.13. You can write down this reference. And you, 
who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, who made alive? Did you? That's not what the text says. God made alive together with him, that is Christ, having forgiven us, having forgiven us all our trespasses. And God does this by his spirit that we might become children of God. Abundant grace, this free gift, it is received by faith. John 1, 12 through 13, says it this way. Here, here it is both. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, there's faith, not a work, I believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And hopefully in the future, I think in, in chapter 8, we're going to look into that, that truth. But then verse 13 continues. Who were born? Well, how were they born? They were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, like, mm, I just want to, or the will of a man, or your parents, willingness. They were born of, it says, but of God. Born of God. And so those born of God are those called of God, and thus they respond to this call by faith in Christ. Faith in the one man, the second man, the greater man, Jesus Christ. And so God gets the glory for all things in his salvation. So it is through Christ then, through the one man, Jesus Christ, we can have any claim, any assurance of abundant grace and righteousness to us whose sentence in Adam was only judgment, was only condemnation. Death no longer reigns, but life. And life now reigns in those who are in Christ, who is, again, the way, the truth, and the, the life. As we get into chapter 6 down the road, Paul's going to call us to walk in this newness of life. Jesus came that we might have life, and we have it abundantly. And life here is the opposite of death. So if death is pain and sorrow, so life is joy and peace and rest, gladness. In essence, it's knowing God. It's knowing Christ. Jesus says this is eternal life, that they know you and know Christ. It's to know God. So to know God is to know life. Because God is life. So life is something, it's something, you've already received Christ. This life is already something you possess. And yet we know we live in the already, not yet. We already possess this life. And yet there's this wrestle and this tug of war of our flesh remaining until one day Christ returns to redeem us fully and finally, to be transformed, made new in the image of Christ, to live with Him forever. Well, in column one, trespasses of Adam, maybe you've been writing these down, you've got terms there like many died, Adam's trespass, many died, or one sin led to judgment, led to condemnation, or death reigned. Just compare that with your other column. Column for those who received the free gift of Christ. What's in that column? Abounding grace. Many trespasses leading to a free gift, bringing justification. You being declared righteous in the courtroom of God because of Christ's righteousness, not yours. And life is now reigning. Many would say, I want the good life. Many, I don't know who wouldn't say, I want a good life. I want the good life. What do we mean? What do they mean by this? It might mean they just want to have fun. I don't have any worries, no more pain. I just everything, I want it to go the right way. I've got all I need. 
But here, the good life can only be found in the good one, and that is in Christ Jesus. We have no good apart from Christ. For the Christian, the good life, while we live in exile, it's, it's not a life free from sorrow or pain or suffering, but it's good. For in Christ, how is it good? Our God is now reconciled and with us as we live as exiles here in this land, and we can know Him. And our Savior and our King gives light to us in our darkness. And then we have that hope, that one-day hope of the Redeemer who will make all things new. Do you want the real good life? I encourage you, receive the abounding grace found only in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word before us, your true word. From it, Lord, we can bank our lives on what you have said. It is that trustworthy. Lord, for those struggling today, even looking at your word and wondering, is it trustworthy? May you strengthen their hearts to believe what you've said in your word. And then, Lord, I pray for each heart here that you would find us, Lord, when you return, you would find us rejoicing in this great gospel truth, the great gospel of abounding grace. Yes, we are sinners. Yes, we deserve wrath, judgment, condemnation. And yes, in our Savior, we have received abundant grace, a free gift we did not earn, but you gave to us out of sheer grace. May this be our joy throughout each of our days, whether we face suffering and trial and pain and worse days ahead. Lord Jesus, be our joy that we know you, that we know the God who is with us. We just thank you for this gift. Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to Bethany Radio, a production of Bethany Bible Church in Leroy, Minnesota.